0: beautiful yeah it was a good day i mean it was actually mostly stressful as shit uh we're trying to plan the wedding and everything's going horribly so i don't know how really you want me to be well congratulations <laughs> yeah well yeah. yeah. i think we're both like wondering if we want to stay with each other <laughs> oh dear god
1: weddings are i, I think yeah. that's part of of, ha- of getting married is to see if you can make it through the stress of planning a wedding
0: yeah Everyone's got a lot of requests and not a lot of money, and I'm kind of like, I don't know if you know the currency exchange rate here. (laughs) The only
1: advice I can give you is just do what you want, they'll get over it. Like we did, we had like we ended up having a smaller like well, no, we planned a smaller wedding, not ended up. We we expected to have a smaller wedding. And there's people we just couldn't invite, and they got over it. And there were things people wanted and we didn't do it, and they got over it. Like Yeah,
0: I how bad does somebody want to buy me a blender?
1: The I pressed secret. record, by the way, just so in case you want to give anything away. But I thought we would just kind of lead into it by chatting. So,
0: uh. no, I'm into that. Well, we're going to secretly elope out in Colorado in October. It's not really much of a secret since I'm telling everybody now. But, <laughs> um, and also, our family knows. It's really not a secret at all. I don't know what some words mean, to be honest with you. Ah, but
1: okay.
0: <laughs> it's going to be great. No, we're we're. Uh, I mean, all joking aside, we're excited. It'll be a great time. So, oh, wonderful. Well, good luck. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate I appreciate the advice too. And I'm offended we've met
1: once in real life and you haven't invited me to your wedding. So uh, Yeah, well, uh, like I said hell.
0: like I said earlier, um, how badly do you want to buy <laughs> me the blender?
1: The voice you're hearing is Mark Borison. <laughs> uh, and the podcast you're hearing is audiobiographical. And I am Dan Cozy, your host, and Every week, we have a guest on to talk about five songs that are very important in their life, and
0: uh, we just kind of chat. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Dan, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it, especially having only met one time. (laughs) I don't have a lot of friends. That's the problem. Uh, Or you have incredibly great
1: taste in them.
0: That was where uh, I was going. there we are. See? Self-serving.
1: So, Mark, I'm going to call you a filmmaker. A yes. radio personality? A Cincinnati celebrity? A sin celebrity
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, You know that's ending up on my resume <laughs> almost immediately after this. I love that. I would say all those things are accurate. Yeah, I'm a filmmaker, uh, host of the weekly hookup here in Cincinnati. It's a radio program where I just try to bribe my way into a bigger audience by giving them free stuff every week. So... The system works.
1: Hey, uh, swag works for everybody. So did you grow
0: up in Cincinnati? No, actually. So early, I mean, define which era of growing up, right? I've Let's been start. Where, where were you born and then? It, it lead the way up. So I was born in New Jersey. Okay. Um, and I was back and forth there twice in life early on. Uh, we lived in Oklahoma for a little while. Uh, really? Yes, yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I guess if I want to jump right into it, I was, I was paralyzed in my youth, and that was when we were in Oklahoma. Oh, and I know this will God. get brought up later, so but I'm just okay. – spoilers, everybody, <laughs> uh, for this podcast. Now, uh, but we lived in Oklahoma for a little while, back to New Jersey, and then Cincinnati. So I've been in Cincinnati the longest chunk of my life. I mean I think I've been here like 20 years now, something like that. So long enough to have all the formative years experiences, but also still long enough in other places to go. That place had better pizza. New
1: Jersey had better pizza than Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, I mean, is there an argument? You isn't that heard what, it
1: here first,
0: folks. It's true. Isn't, I, as I understand, that's where pizza was invented now. Or at least that's what I'm telling everybody.
1: Well, I grew up in Chicago, so I don't even understand what you're talking about because only Chicago has pizza. No other state has pizza.
0: You know what's really fun about that is I feel like there aren't enough pizza-related duels existing in the world <laughs> uh well that'll be the show i'll be inviting you on to dan where we you know deal with sauce yes that's
1: <laughs> is borison is an
0: italian name i don't
1: i don't know what borison is it german is
0: not, so uh the story goes so it's like i have a i uh lovingly refer to myself as a jiu in uh independent <laughs> terms uh and i joke my dad is like white european mutt and my mom's side is like the ethnic side. So, um, the interesting the Borson, part, you know, yeah. I, the one that's like, if somebody asks me what's your background, I'm like, Egyptian, way cooler. You oh, know, yeah. Uh, Lead with the pyramids, I believe, is the expression that I mean. <laughs> um, but no, uh, so, on, uh, on that side, though, the story goes that they actually had a way weirder name, but uh, it's one of those like Ellis Island inventions. Uh, and the okay, rumor okay. had that uh, our ancestor, I say ancestor, but whatever, it was only a few generations ago, but he could only say the word son of Boris. And they were like, all right, Boris, and it is. So, I don't know. I'm sure that story's made up, <laughs> but that's what I've always been told. The next guest that I'm going to be recording,
1: I don't know what uh, order these are going to come out in, he's also from Oklahoma. Uh, so it's interesting. Oh. Uh, not a lot of people from there, but two guests out of the three that I've recorded so far are
0: uh, have Oklahoma roots. That's kind of funny, actually. Yeah, My dad was involved in oil for a little while down there, but ah. I don't know how that really worked out. I mean, I know it worked out ultimately bad because, you know, I got paralyzed and ruined my family's life. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we'll get to
1: it. Hey, we're talking about your dad right now, not you, so yeah, sorry. settle down. <laughs> uh, and your dad is is who the movie there Will Be Blood is based off of, correct?
0: It is. It, only because he had this weird fascination with drinking my milkshakes. It was so weird. So, <laughs> All right. Well, let's start into
1: it. Let, so we. Uh, I'm going to play your first song uh, without okay. introducing it. And we're just going to come into it. So this is Mark's first pick. It is one of the greatest songs ever written. And I'm going to play it right now. was Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears, one of my favorite songs of all time.
0: Mark, how did yeah, you, that song come into your life? You know, it's funny. When I when we first started talking about this list, I, I, everything I wanted, I you know, I struggled to pick my top five. So I kept thinking, I was like, all of these are kind of timeless. So first off, I have to second, because uh, I also agree, one of the greatest songs of all time. Uh, and... So, I guess to go back to the paralysis, uh, right? It was uh, without giving away my actual age, it was the late 80s, 1987 to be specific. And I am, you know, I don't know if it was if I was always like, quote, destined to love music the way I do, <laughs> and, uh, or if it was something that, like, you know, I grew to love through this experience in the hospital. But as a kid in the hospital, all I watched was like the Disney Channel. And uh, MTV so I got right. Hit to, I got to hit to music early on So I was like I had this like weird fascination With 80s culture and uh, You know obviously having lived through part Of it that makes it a little you know I feel A lo- little less weird about it but uh, But 87 those... you're,
1: you're kind of young For eight, 87 aren't you
0: Well I saw so that was when I was paralyzed I was born before it
1: so uh, Right right well okay if, if you don't You could say as much and as little as you want but But what happened
0: Oh, so I, so the, the story goes, and of course my memories are hazier than uh, my family's memories, but I had, I had come down with pneumonia kind of randomly, you know, I was like three and a half and I'm getting over that. And then one day I, I remember this part vividly, I woke up and I couldn't move at all. And I just remember telling my dad, I can't get out of bed. And he thought I was like being cute because I'm assuming even at three years old, I was just the same sarcastic shit than I am now (laughs) and he just kept up with it and the like all like the memory ends shortly after this because he like drags me out of bed to go to the bathroom I'm like I think I have to go to the bathroom but I can't get out of bed and he thinks I'm joking he kind of like lets me go thinking it's a prank and then I'll just stand up but I didn't I like crumpled to the ground and so the next thing I know it's just you know months in the hospital so it turned out I had Guillain-Barre and guillain Ray syndrome, you know, it's weird. In the last few years, I keep meeting more and more people that had that at some point, which is kind of funny because, you know, for most of my life, I didn't know anybody ever that had, had it, right? Right. It like- I've heard, I've heard it, and I probably on a show like House got mad about it once, you know. <laughs> and uh, we, you know, it was just, you know, it, you know, for lack of a better description, and I'm sure someone in the medical field will roast me for describing it poorly, but as I understand it, pretty much is like destroyed my nervous system in a lot of regards caused like you know some muscle atrophy and a a lot of issues you know i mean as far as my physical handicap in life i do struggle to walk a little bit here and there but you know it was way worse in my youth and i spent time in physical therapy and then i actually got into martial arts for a long time and training martial arts gave me like a a little bit of the zen mindset i needed to not be a total like raging, angry lunatic my entire life for this hand I had been dealt. Wow, yeah. But also, you know, a lot of things like balance, stuff that we just take for granted. It used to be I'd take like two or three steps and I was probably going to trip at the very least, if not fall in those steps. And now... I'd argue you probably wouldn't notice that I had a problem. I often walk with like braces, things of that nature. But mm-hmm. you know, aside from that, I any it's it's a handicap I can hide in auditions and things like that when I'm going out for commercials or whatever. Wow, uh, so that's well, nice at least. But, that uh, is, and, and and I mean,
1: congratulations on your recovery. Obviously, thank I you. mean that's uh, so. How did everybody wants to the rule wants to rule the rule? Did that help you feel better did that help you make you feel worse like how did that song kind of become important to you
0: I think okay so there is that like timeless like you know again like we said it's just one of those weird timeless like greatest song ever there's something about that even, like, the little walk down of the keyboards in the intro, that's, like, the little, you know, lead-in. Mm-hmm. And we've got that that lick. It's got this percussive groove that's, like, in the right, like, foot-tapping BPM. You know, I don't know exactly what tempo it's at, but it's, like, the right, you know what I mean? It's just got the right groove. It's got all these things that come together. And as somebody, you know, A, obviously the popularity of the song at the time, it would have been very close to, you know, I think, probably within five or so years of its original release. Yeah, I think, like, two years in 1985. Okay, cool. So yeah, at that point, so we're talking 2 years after its release and you know, uh, depending on the age of the audience here, they might not remember that way back when a song or a hit anything had a way longer shelf life. You know, now a movie gets popular in 2 weeks, you probably forgot it existed, but back then that's not how it worked. Absolutely, yeah. So MTV still had that steady rotation. I mean, I, I it's like one of those weird things where I can like visualize the whole music video still in its entirety and I just remember all these weird images and it's like you know, it's that weird thing you have in your memories where you're like, oh, there's like visuals that have been imprinted on me indefinitely now. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and I feel the song's the same way. And while like, you know, I can't speak for all the lyrical content, but even just the title alone, as somebody who has struggled on a physical sense, struggled in a career minded sense and all the stuff, it's kind of been one of those things that like, I don't know, it's a weird way of putting things in perspective because, you know, I think all of us do want to rule the world in one way or another. Um, but as somebody who was like, you know, it was like a weird destruction of myself at a really young age before I even knew who I was. Do you know what I mean? And you're right, so young, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm going to die, and you like accept mortality at four, and your life changes forever.
1: Jeez. Yeah. And, yeah and- it's, like a weird,
0: it's a weird thing to think about. But, you know, with this song, there's just this like, it's kind of like, you know, you've got that little bit, a little hint of longing, but you've got this overall upbeat vibe, you know, where it's like, hey you're everything's going to work out okay right you know and no matter what everybody's kind of trying for the same thing so it, it kind of gave me this like in a weird way i i sometimes think about like people at large i'm like you know we're all experiencing something awful and uh you know i don't know so that, that was kind of like
1: i, I everybody kind of has songs that they're connected to for bad like it reminds them of a bad time does that does that make you melancholy when you when that when you hear that song does it remind you of being in the hospital
0: or or no, you know what's funny is I, I think because it all worked out pretty, I mean, you know, things could have been better. I could have not had it happen and lived a totally right. normal life where I was like in good physical shape forever. <laughs> but that aside, like, it's weird. I really don't, I don't really look back in a negative I, I know it sounds a little crazy, but I, there was definitely a lot of fear. You know, I definitely remember being sad and crying a lot and spending a lot of time alone, you know, and I'm definitely was like a mama's boy. So that That's was a huge true. problem for me. I guess it kind of in a weird, silly way almost inspires me. And I don't talk about this often. I'm getting like a little emotional thinking about it now. (sighs) How honest, Dan, how honest do you want this to be?
1: (laughs) As honest as you want it to be. You don't, I mean, it's just a stupid podcast. You don't have to.
0: uh, As a host of a stupid podcast. No, no, but really I I think back to those moments and look at, it's like a moment of inspiration. I'm like, man. At a barely old enough age to recognize it, I faced death and bested it. Mm-hmm. And I've continued to do that every day <laughs> of my life. So in a weird way, it kind of makes me feel oddly invincible. And like, yeah, it brings me back to that time, but it brings me back to like this, you know, it brings me back to really the end of the experience where like I knew there was a little bit of light on the other side. Right. And I remember there's there's one memory that always sticks out of my head. Where they used to have to like manually pump air for me so I could breathe. Oh man. And I'm sure we can all imagine what a hospital in 1980s Oklahoma looked like. There's like tumbleweeds everywhere. I like to imagine it looking like something out of Red Dead Redemption, but I Your just remember. a cowboy. I mean, yeah, exactly. I was like, wow, I thought it was crazy that they had spittoons in every single room. <laughs> but uh, I just remember this, one of the nurses, and she had like this giant, like, I, I'm sure you've seen it before. It's like a giant. Almost looks like a uh, water container now. That would be hip for people to carry around. But that with the mouthpiece on, it, it would pump extra air, so it'd be it, so it'd be easier to breathe. And I remember at this point they were starting to reduce how much of that they were doing for me, and it was like a pain in the ass, you know, because yeah. I was kind of like, ah, oh. you know, it's still a struggle. But they were like, no, you're actually getting better, so you have to breathe on your own now. And it was like this weird. I mean, you don't think about this, but like nervous system destruction, it's stuff like. You had to think about breathing, you know, something that we all take as like your body involuntarily does it. You know, there's a lot more mental effort expired on it. Absolutely. And so I I feel, you know, again, ultimately, like I'll have like little blips of these moments. But I think back to her pumping the air and being like in a weird way, like mad that she wouldn't give me air because it was easy. (laughs) Also kind of like I'm about out this, you know, like it's going to be amazing. And then. Huh. you missteps the rest of life, but it's fine. <laughs> Things are okay
1: right now. You talking about like how kind of your first conscious memories were of, of how you were kind of coming to terms with your mortality? Because I like I, I'm going to kind of reveal more about myself. as I'm not going to just constantly talk about myself. Uh, but but I I grew up. My mom was very sick most of my life, and so I have vivid memories of my first memories being. Being told that she wasn't going to make it. And it, I mean, this happened up through when she finally passed away when I was uh, around 15. And so, so that, uh, well, uh, thank you. It's your fault. Um, I know. <laughs> I've been searching for you. This was all a ruse to get you on a podcast to confront you. Um <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, and, and so my some of my first memories were, were like kind of learning about what death was and learning that that it's sort of part of life, like part of something that's going to happen. It's inevitable and kind of different for you because it was your own. Like I can't imagine what that would be like, but in being ta- like being taught what death is at such an early age, I also thought about it incessantly because it was in my world just from right. the beginning of my life. So I can totally understand that, and I I do have memories of when she was sick that I still look back on fondly like like how you look at this song fondly uh, right I, I also so I completely understand that um and uh so you are you but you made it you got out of the hospital and right uh, how soon after you got out the hospital did you go back to Jersey
0: I'm not entirely sure on the timeline there but I think okay. it'd be like a year or two okay and so you go
1: back to Jersey but you still have to do you're still recovering when you're there
0: yeah, at this point, like wh- I think it, – it, so and again, I'm, I'm using like childhood memory, so I'm sure the timelines are off. Of course, off so of course. One of the things I remember right at the end of our time in Oklahoma is I was in physical therapy still and I remember having like one of my last days in physical therapy and then that being – and then us moving shortly after that. So you
1: didn't have to do PT in Jersey. You you were just kind of had to deal, like do it yourself sort of.
0: Yeah. And I don't really, you know, and I'm sure maybe a little of that was me being stubborn, but there's a lot of pain associated with it. And I still have a lot of that. And I want, there's those moments where I'm like, Oh, if I wasn't such a pain in the ass at like four or five, after, you know what I mean? A year or two after this all went down, you know, would I have feel a little bit different now kind of things, but I don't really remember what I do remember in Jersey is at some point we did like old school leg braces. Um, which, you know, again, in the late 80s, were still closer to what Forrest Gump breaks I was, out That's of exactly what I thought of. Unfortunately, that's the first thing I thought of. For sure. And now if you look at them, they're like – they look just like gnarly 3D printed shin guards. As a matter of <laughs> fact, I, people ask me all that – and it's funny because I'm overweight and people always be like, oh, so you play soccer? I'm like, what about my physique says I sprint? <laughs> Short distances frequently and occasionally they'll be like well i thought you might have been the goalie i'm like still but okay thank you i guess for saying that. all kidding aside uh but right. no like you know that was the big thing i remember but when we finally at that point we were only in jersey i think another year at that point and then my dad took a job in cincinnati and okay. then so we have been here longer than i've thought I don't, I don't know again i'm not very i went into media because there were no math requirements and then things just worked out so absolutely
1: um, absolutely but, so yeah. let's, let's jump forward then a little bit. We're going to head into 1996, so you're coming up about, about. 13. You're hitting your teens yeah. right about now? Yes, sir. I am. So I'm just, you know, getting the right amount of angsty in life. Fantastic. Uh, let's go right into the song that you picked because I, I can't imagine how many future guests are going to hate you for picking this song because I'm not going to allow repeats. And, <laughs> oh, well, I
0: feel, oh well, thank
1: you. I'm honored. I'm um, glad I'm wearing a crown. This song, I I think, is going to be picked by so many white suburban males in the future of this show uh, that uh, I'm just going to go ahead and play it. I do not want to fade that down that was 1979 by the smashing pumpkins
0: uh mark talk to me about it so that's you know again it's another one of those songs that just seems like it perfectly captures the midwest youth experience oh, you, you have no idea and i feel like it's just one of those things when i well it's got to be even doubly so for you in chicago since billy gordon's from there well okay so
1: we every suburban especially west suburban teen has it like a uh smashing pumpkins anecdote but i actually don't but they did most of them went to the Glenbards, which was Glenbard north south east and west i think there was four of them which Mm -hmm. was in our conference but uh and so I, I didn't realize how big the Pumpkins were outside of the Chicago area till I left it. Like, I kind of thought it was, like, our band. But oh, no, okay. it, it, it spoke to everybody. And But, like, 1979, you, you can't make a better song about driving around the suburbs late at night when you're a teenager and there's nobody else on the road. And But, yeah, like, how, how did it come into your life?
0: You know, I think I was just at that perfect age, that you know, around – it was interesting. My parental music guy, so I'm the oldest sibling, so I had no one really to look up to. And then once we were separated from the family physically, again, it's the nineties. So it's not like it is now where my uncle can show up on my Facebook wall to be like, why are you shirtless so often? And <laughs> but back then he didn't know how shirtless I was. Um But thinking about that, you know, uh, I just get into, I didn't have I didn't have a ton of, m- m- like, my mom was a rocker. My dad is, I just won't even say anything about his musical taste because it's kind of, it's, like, adorable in a weird way. But at the same time, I'm like, that's so lame. Um,
1: <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, it's fine. Oh, yeah. My my, mom, it's it's actually folk- the same way. My
1: mom was, was big into rock, and my dad likes, like, folk music, Peter, Paul, and Mary, and, and like, honky-tonk. So, But I love them, too. I have a soft spot for it.
0: Exactly. You're like, oh, it's fine. Like, yeah, exactly. Thanks for leaving this BG CD in the car, today. <laughs> you know, like, holy crap but uh no so you know i didn't really take much of his musical takes i definitely took some of my mom's she you know she was a little different uh in that so she is from like the new jersey area originally and so for her her person that like is the local band that got biggest for Springsteen, right like so right he right, was, right. Like, the guy down the street from them that was like oh shit he's like the biggest rock star right now right that kind of thing so she was definitely on like a somewhat softer end than i ended up getting into but i remember so vividly like you know around 13 i think is where you really kind of start having that like you know i mean we bring up words like puberty but you kind of like it's that adolescent transitional phase where you're starting to become like a little more self-aware you're like all right there's like a whole the the world i've been sheltered from is really a little more wild than it exists but i have this again it's a weird memory of us just riding around in a car and my sister and i happened like you know she's just flipping the radio and i think i don't know why i think it's this song but i'm i still feel like i'm right it was i'm only happy when it rings my garbage and mm-hmm. my mom just goes, you know, there's like an alternative rock station. Maybe you guys would like that. So around that time, you've got, you know, Bands of the Silk. And I had missed out on prior Smashing Pumpkins albums, but this is like right as Melancholy's happening. So okay, I, you yeah. know, I think that by the time I found out about them, I think 1979, if I recall correctly, is like the third single off the album because I'm pretty sure it was Bullet with Butterfly Probably. Lanes. And zero, and then I think 1979 was the third one, but that was also another time in life where MTV was like, for me, it was you know growing up, I watched MTV forever, so it was not cool. Like it, it never, that's the wrong word, but it wasn't anything like out of the ordinary special. But I just remember at the time, my peers kind of starting to get into music at right. the same time, and so. That video was huge. It was huge. It was the, I remember that song playing multiple times a day. I mean I could think about the playlist in 1996 yeah. or whatever the song was. <laughs> and I just – I so vividly remember it and like going to the pool with my mom and you know what I mean? Like yeah. all these just silly, silly little things. And it's interesting because at the time I just knew, man, this is a song I think I'm going to love the rest of my, my life. And, you know, here we are 20-some years later, and I still totally agree. And even if I'm not as crazy about more recent Smashing Pumpkins output, you know, it's not – I don't think they tarnished their legacy. You know, Corgan hasn't come out with anything super weird outside of the lizard (laughs) people thing. You know, and I'm like, well, you know, he's crazy. But (laughs) but no, all getting aside, it was one of those things that I don't think – you know, you didn't realize at the time. But like just – The overall tonality it's like i know just enough music theory to sound like an idiot to actual musicians but i just think about like the overall tonality of the song and it's just like there's this kind of vibe to it where it's you know it, it has that sense it like he managed to capture that sense of longing it's like billy corgan knew in 23 years i was gonna be having this conversation with you being like damn, do you remember being young and not having responsibilities while some creepy bald guy rode around in the backseat of the car singing, you know?
1: Seriously, yeah. I, uh, this has always been one of my favorite pumpkin songs, but lately, Tonight Tonight has been kind of becoming more... Oh, and so and a, a friend of mine and I were talking about it, and I think because Tonight Tonight, he references Chicago, and I've, moved, I've lived away from Chicago for about six years now, and that makes me like long for Chicago. And I think that's why tonight, tonight is becoming more important to me in my adulthood than 1979, which makes me nostalgic for my teens. Oh, so sure. I, it's funny how, how like music, a song that you like, they kind of shift around, but that whole album is just, just amazing.
0: Well, you know, he, it's like, he knew it. He titled it even that way. He's right. Like, oh, melancholy and the infinite sadness. And he's like, heads up idiots. You're going to feel this <laughs> way for the rest of your life. It's in the title. So kind I, of, uh,
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What kind of teen like were you? Were you like a theater kid? I, I think you weren't a jock from the from the stories you've been telling. But like, what just kind of <laughs> everywhere? I'm
0: sorry, I just think it's so funny. I was, uh, you know, it, around. I got into so my first love in the entertainment industry was music because like the two people I really idolized growing up. Were both named David and it was David Letterman and David Lee Roth. And again, it comes back to the early eighties thing where I'm just watching these like larger than life Looney tune people <laughs> who have an answer for every question. That's always thrown at them without skipping a beat. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. um, Oh man, Letterman, have have like, I mean, cause oh, I on. think
1: you're kind of a comedy nerd like I am. And Letterman was just, I mean, before Conan came along, he was, he was the God and Conan. I mean, he still is, but I just meant like, I think I kind of grew grew with Conan, whereas exactly. Letterman was like an experience. Like you just never saw anything like this before.
0: It, especially, I, I mean, I was such, you know, it, it, Letterman was so on fire after the whole Tonight Show debacle. So I think I got hip to him like right after he moved to CBS. And he was in that definitely like did not give a shit mode ever. And I really <laughs> respected that. And I think about that a lot. And, but, and is he Cincinnati? Yeah, so he's, oh, topic, no, he's in Indiana.
1: Know, he's from Indiana.
0: Never mind. Yeah, he's from Indiana, but still, we're all in the we're all in the network. It's you know, it's really weird you mentioned that. But I think about like the weird little, and you know, and I say little, Cincinnati's not that little, but like you know, if you don't live here, it's little. Uh, and I think about that, and like the area in New Jersey I grew up in, and like I look at the talent that came out of like a small area around me. I sometimes feel bad about myself, <laughs> but but at the same time, I'm like, oh, there's something about these places that make you go, oh, I gotta tell the story, or I gotta you know i got to yeah. share whatever this thing is you know well you so- said you
1: idolized david lee roth and so we are going to move on to your third song uh, cuz okay. i was interested that this came up after your smashing pumpkins song so we're actually going to take a quick break and then we are going to come back in with your third pick
0: Come home so late Cry and cast his little heart
1: was Romeo Delight by Van Halen. Why did you pick Romeo Delight by Van Halen? I'll be honest. I am not a Van Halen fan. I don't. I love Hot for Teacher. uh, And actually right now, for some really strange reason, I just love that song. Are you just an insane Crystal Pepsi fan? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe.
0: Uh, So... So my Van Halen thing came out weird, you know? I mean, so the reason this is so late, because for me, this is like mid 2000s. We jump about a decade at this point. Wow. Okay. And so my, you're almost so, 20 now. Yeah. And so in my, at this point, and I would have been like uh, 23-ish or, or maybe oh, okay, a little okay. younger. I, I, you know, I'm kind of ballparking a little bit, but sure. both my three and four were kind of around the same time. Um, but for me, it was, you know, I had this young, uh, this youthful love of Van Halen. I just like classic 70s rock, that kind of, Kicks a little ass and feels like you should be driving a convertible and have longer hair, but Van Halen in particular, right? Because you know, I mean, I could sit here and nerd out about Eddie's guitar playing and all this they, stuff. But fantastic just, guitar, I totally get that. You know, I, I, and I'm a big just in general. I love virtuoso musicians. You know, you were asking before the break. I had done marching band as a kid. Um, I moved – I was never that – my mom loved it more than I did because I love doing music. But I was like, oh, I don't know if you remember, but walking's hard for me. <laughs> and uh, and then the, like a thing where they judge you on your ability to lift your toes in the air, that's something I 100 percent can't do. It was always like stressful. <laughs> but uh, no, moving into this, I, I, I wanted to be a front man in a band, so I, I picked up the guitar in hopes that I could – get some more auditions that way and be like, Oh, I'm a great singer, but I can also kind of play guitar poorly. Maybe that'll help. And at this point I met a couple guys and we were just doing like cover band things and writing stupid songs. And I was kind of like, kind of, this is right where I'm like beginning to feel my way for the entertainment industry, maybe a little later than some, but again, I didn't have really, you know, it's that still that weird time where the early two thousands, it wasn't as clear especially right, living right. in the midwest where you're like what do i do you know and the internet was still new so we're still kind you know I, at that point i remember thinking like wow i'm like one of the only people in my life with broadband still this is terrifying <laughs> and uh yeah starting i met these guys who were really into like classic metal they were like iron maiden and Dio and all this kind of stuff and i liked that all right and i joked at the time that it was like some of it was a little too dude for me and i needed like just a hint of uh sexual swagger and something that David Lee Roth brought to the table and spandex. And, uh, no, Romeo delight to me was just one of those, like, you know, when you're growing up, you like bands, right? Or at least oh, as absolutely. I was growing up, you like bands, but you're not going into deep cuts. Like I just like jump and Panama. You know, you know what I mean? I'm like, right. Oh, I love Halen I know shit. And I also, by the way, huge right now fan, although typically speaking, not really overly crazy about the Sammy Hagar era in general, but I'm not even getting to that debate. But, um, <laughs> Romeo Delight was one of those first, like, deep cut tracks. And I say deep cut if anybody's a fan, they'll be like, you're an idiot. But, you know,
1: it's something you, you wouldn't have for a, to. A for like a young ten. music fan, it's a deep cut for you. Right. It's not the single.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm sitting there listening to Women and Children first and like, oh, man, this whole album rips. Everybody rips. Dave's just like this lunatic guy that's, like, screaming at a carnival through a bullhorn. Like, everybody get back in line. And that's, like, kind of what I... It just feels like controlled chaos. And I think that's what so uh, appeals to me so much about Van Halen. But I... At this time, I'm in school for video production at UC at University of Cincinnati, where I later left and graduated from Northern Kentucky University. But at the time, I was, you know, we were like we're gearing up to do some music video project, and I just every time I heard Romeo Delight, I was like, man, one day I'm going to shoot a car chase sequence to this song because <laughs> there's like a couple of interesting breaks, and uh-huh. I'm like, oh, this would actually be cool—a few ramp ups and ramp outs, you know, stuff like that. I haven't done it yet, mostly because. absolutely probably a little out of my budget right now but
1: well see i i I also went to film school and so the funny thing is i actually the the song i picked for today's show is is a song that i I think everybody in well not this song but everybody in film school has the song that they want to make that they want to put in the montage that they want to put in the movie and stuff like that uh right and so yeah exactly i mean i totally know what you mean you hear that song and you're like i i picture
0: it in my head i have it yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that we have so many things in common today. This is this has been enriching for me, too. I hope you know that. That's fantastic. Just a couple of white guys
1: with film degrees sitting around. Complaining. I'm useless <laughs> useless film degrees.
0: <laughs> well, you went to an actual film school. I went to one in Northern Kentucky. Not to hate on them. I had a great experience, lovely professors, all that stuff. But, you know, you know if it weren't no, for YouTube.
1: It sounds like, though, that, that almost sounds like a trade school where you could have learned how to, like, been a... <laughs> gaffer or a, a grip or something like i went to an art school that was uh, i don't know
0: <laughs> yeah mine was like regular university and i had a cup. Co- i had a couple pre- professors who were like incredible human beings. I had a couple people who clearly started being professors in the seventies and did not recognize that in the late two thousands that we should still be watching VHS tapes of 1980s episode <laughs> of Dateline. not to mention anybody by name, Dave Thompson, but aside from that, no, it was, it was actually a great experience though, really. And it really helped when I finally went through that, it actually, honestly, it like ramped up my interest in film because what had been going on prior is I was trying to make it in the music business and. Uh, you know, by the time I found out about these songs, I'm still doing covers, but it kind of learning about, it really opened my musical taste. It was like, I came out of a bad breakup, and I was just like, I'm going to change who I am as a person, and I want to just see life as silly and trite as that sounds. I just wanted to do all these new experiences. I was like, okay, we're going to do this. So I started diving deep on records. I started playing in different bands, and then years later, I started playing music, but I, you know, I kind of credit this, you know, I go to the this song and the next song, they both really kind of you know open my eyes in a weird way
1: well yeah let's go to the next song
0: let's this do song, it i am not familiar i was not was
1: not familiar with till you gave it to me to listen to uh but this is is it circa yes so the band is called circa survive and the song is called the great golden baby That was Circus Survive, The Great Golden Baby.
0: Uh, This one's a way simpler story, so I didn't really know much (laughs) about post-hardcore music at all. Again, it was like that thing where I'm using like LimeWire and Kazaa to try to find new bands, and I I kind of just gotten hit to Coheed and Cambria, so I was kind of like, oh, maybe this is a new side of music. And I'm actually kind of surprised I didn't pick one of their songs. I, I just have one really vivid memory about this, and I took this, so I'm at UC still, and I took this class called the history of music and it was taught by a very i loved him. he was one of my favorite professors as weird as this sounds because i only had a couple of short classes with him that i wasn't particularly invested in but he knew i was like in the rock and metal would make like funny jokes and i'm like ah, oh, that's funny that you would know that and his name was garth which i thought was fun <laughs> too but i just remember around this time the uh the band of metal kids had gotten me very hip to uh marijuana i believe it's called and uh, no, at I'm the unfamiliar. time, I just remember uh, a buddy of mine liking to smoke at UC and then we'd go wait for class. But uh, the class, we'd like a long break or something, but we had just enough time. But I just remember him being like, you got to check this song out. And the opening, the opening little licks, they, you know, Circus Survivor in general, they've got kind of that like, spacey post hardcore thing going on a lot where a lot of like droning weird delay guitars so it was like that right time where i'm like oh my god i'm experiencing sounds for the first (laughs) time but i remember us having to split one pair of earbud headphones and Mm -hmm. so he'd have one ear and i'd have the other and then i finally like there's like a whole long story about like the singer of Circus Survive was in this other band called in, And then he kind of like left unceremoniously and just then shortly after created this first Circus Survive record and went on to be with them for a long time. But uh, the album wasn't out yet. I remember waiting like that whole summer for it to come out. It came out like the end of summer. But I remember when I finally got the record, I was like, oh shit, there's like a whole left channel of music that I haven't heard of this song. <laughs> so I kind of got to have that like eye opening experience twice with it. And it, yeah, it like opened me up to a whole kind of like the nouveau progressive movement, like not so much like the new prog metal bands, but like kind of that weirder, softer, you know, when you when you ask me, you're like, is that a male or female vocalist? So I'm like, exactly. And I kind <laughs> of like that that thing and I, I've got a higher range myself so I definitely appreciate it. I was like, oh here's some other weirdo where again, like, you know, you just don't feel like you fit in necessarily yeah, at times yeah. in life. and you know, I was like doing all this like kind of butt rock sounding vocal stuff and not bad, you know, I'm still proud of my output, don't get me wrong, but like, I just remember thinking, I'm like, oh, here's someone actually like doing something interesting with their voice and not just trying to replicate whatever is a thing right now and then that really appealed to me so it's like these two wildly varying sounds came at the same time where i was just like oh there's so many things out there that i think i'm going to love and i'm gonna find it and i've seriously spent the last decade just going i'll have some more of that
1: (laughs) that's funny i think you and i kind of are similar in that in that we were both a little musically late bloomers. I like, yes. I didn't get really get into music until my twenties as well. And I think you need that person. It sounds like you had that guy to kind of guide your hand right? Uh, into the, cause I, I, my, my brothers who I idolize and kind of stole their music. Like I would like sneak into their room to take their CDs, but I, they weren't, they were too old to kind of hang out with me, to teach me these things. Sure. And so, and, uh, so it really, wasn't until my twenties when I met uh, a friend of mine who was just crazy about music that really introduced me to bands like like, and it were even like bands that I already knew that I didn't realize that all of those songs were theirs like the Kinks who are like my favorite band like I'm like oh that's one of theirs oh that's one of theirs like it and. But yeah, I didn't really do, uh, around the same time as you, 22, 23 is when I really started to kind of learn about music.
0: And what's been interesting for me, and I don't know if this has been the same for you, but I mean, well, it may be a, and it, maybe it is the same for you since we did meet at a music festival this year. But <laughs> I feel like I haven't really stopped that journey in a weird way. Like, I, Well, maybe if I'm being honest, I kind of felt right before we did Sonic Temple this year, I'd kind of been in this thing where like, I, it's been hard for me to be super, excited about rock you like i'm giving you a segue to the next song uh (laughs) but but it's been hard for me in the last really since that era that like a lot of the like rock like radio rock got really you know it's all the corporate stuff that you know you've you'll hear ad nauseum for everybody but like even bands that i liked in my youth that are still around you're kind of like like, I don't ever want to hear another Foo Fighters song. I can't imagine <laughs> they're going to write something I care about the same way I did, like, something off the, you know, second color and the shape back in the 90s as well. And I don't mean there's a knock. Like, they're all wonderful people, talented musicians and everything. But it's just one of those things I'm like, whatever. And and, yeah. and so I started trying to look for those weirder corners of music. And that kind of, yeah, I don't know. I, I But it, this year I've kind of felt like I may have taken a step back in the direction of, like, finding more things because – I discovered a couple bases of bands at Sonic Temple, same in the other festivals we've been doing this year where I'm like, oh, maybe I was just being kind of a dick about all new rock bands being awful. And maybe <laughs> there is something interesting out there still. Maybe it all hasn't been done, Mark,
1: you know, it's just so saturated. And I think that I did hit a wall like I, 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 a couple of years ago. Like I really was on top of everything. Like I read like the Metacritic every day to see what new was coming out. And I like rated everything in my journal and just, and then I just hit this wall. I'm like, I can't keep up with as much music as coming out with with like Spotify because I think there always was this much music, but you just couldn't find it. And now right. you can find everything, and you can't spend the time with an album that you that you used to. And right. uh, and then now I know when I love an album because I'll listen to it more than once. Because like <laughs> I mean, and, and like this year, like Baroness, I've listened to God knows oh, how many oh, times. Oh, oh. So and uh, there's there's a, a singer songwriter named Joe Pug. I've listened to his album multiple times and it only came out Friday. Like that's how I know I've attached myself to an album now because I I will go back to it again. But that's really cool. Speaking of those dark corners, let's play your last pick here, uh, which I actually hadn't heard. I obviously know the artist, but uh, I hadn't heard this song, but this is 3005 by Childish Gambino and we'll take a listen and come right back. And we party every weekend, so On the radio, that's my favorite song Make me bounce around like I don't know Like I won't be here long Now the thriller is gone Got no patience, cause I'm not a doctor
0: Go, no. why is you lying? girl why you mufasa yeah me casa su casa gotta strip it like gaza got so high off volcanoes now the flow is so lava yeah we spit that saliva
1: iphone got message from Viber. either the head is so Hydra, or we let bygones be bygones my god you pay for your friends i'll take that as a compliment got a house full of homies why i feel so the opposite incompetent ain't that half of it saturdays with young lavish, lavishes saddest shit is i'm bad as
0: it means they took from the cabinet
1: I didn't realize how sad that song was till I looked it up on Genius. It was just, it's like loneliness, but he keeps going back to this girl that he seems to not really like anymore, but he doesn't want to be alone. And
0: uh, But why, why did you pick that song? So there's like a few reasons for me. So, you know, early in our friendship, Dan, I know we talked about movies briefly, and I talked about my obsession, I will say. Uh, one I've shared with my fiance, who now has followed suit with said obsession with uh, stanley kubrick's 2001 a space odyssey and i, I get this it. Uh, well i have some weird theories in life every so often right where like i jokingly i've always said this and i'm obviously not a, a lunatic famous last words for every lunatic but i joke sometimes i'm like you ever watch or listen to an album or something and you're like The secrets of the universe are encoded in this somewhere, and it's going to take, you know, I don't know if it's like intense doses of psychedelics or what to figure it out. But all, you know, all jokes aside, two thousand one was one of those things for me forever, where I'm like, something is there's something I can't put my finger on in this and. The album that 3005 is from is called Because the Internet. And I think it's one of those things where it's like a perfect storm of releasing. So to give you a little background on mine and Lindsay's, the name of my fiance, our story, we both came out of like just bad relationships before we met. It was one of those things where we're just like, everybody's awful. I'm never meeting another human. And then we met <laughs> each other and now we're getting married. And uh, we've had the exact Did you have that period.
1: brief that brief period sort of at the beginning where you were both hurt and you're like, I'm not ready for this yet. like, But you were falling oh, sure. in love. But you're like, no, I'm out of like, this isn't time yet. I need time to heal
0: still. Exactly, and we kind we definitely had that. And I think she was a little more willing to push me off too. But you know, (laughs) how could you say that? You know, but no. Around so this album had come out before, and it's funny because you mentioned the sadness of the lyrics in it. Oh, I gotta, uh, I'll come back to that. But the sadness of the lyrics of it are funny because I really related to the song more when I was with my ex, because like, that's how kind of, I felt like she was kind of awful to me. And like, he was just like one of those people that I would like talk to the gas station attendant, be like, Oh, so you're cheating on me like that person. And uh, it was crazy. I'm like, no, I just, you were that to her or she was that to you. She was that to me. Okay. 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 Just putting it together. Sorry. Oh no, no, of course. Of course. So it was like one of those weird things where I was like in this odd state because you know, I get, nobody knows me, but like integrity and honesty, you know, I could do a whole podcast on why those things are so important to me in my upbringing well, and great. why I like – oh, I really refused to break on a few principles and those are, those are like two of them. Were you, know, were you brought up
1: um, like, religious or is this like coming from like a, a religious standpoint or just your parents uh, morally pushed you – like just gave you a good compass?
0: Yeah. I, you, know, we, you know, we really didn't – it was really funny because my parents came from two backgrounds. We just missed the religion thing. And so it was like (laughs) I still got a little of both sides, right? Like I never had any – you know. it's like I didn't have a bar mitzvah or anything like that. But I definitely got to be around these kind of cultural things, so I understood them. But in turn kind of ended up having this agnostic view where I'm like it's really weird that these two adults are like not having arguments by any stretch of the imagination. But they have like oddly different ideologies and none of it really makes sense to me. I'm not trying to make a big statement about it. That. Right, right, right for me for me it was mostly moral experiences from uh, i'm trying to be as uh not specific as possible but just i saw moral experiences from those around me that should have been maybe not doing that but in a way, weird way like you know as an adult i'm like oh i'm kind of glad i had these like you know liars and things like that in my life at a young age because i'm like oh wow i just watched you create problems all the time for no reason and i looked at it as I hate dealing with problems. I'm definitely like one of those 12 steps ahead people. So Mm -hmm. I looked at my whole life where I was like, you know what's crazy is if you're just honest all the time, you almost have no bullshit to deal with ever. Like there's no – nobody's going to catch you in a lie. You know, it's like all that kind of stuff. It's really hard to have your skeletons in your closet exposed when you either A, just don't have skeletons or you just leave the closet door open.
1: You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I'm learning that now and I'm like almost 40, but I, I did go through a lot of my life if I could avoid it. I wasn't a compulsive liar. I didn't make make up things to the best of my memory. I, I didn't make up like stories, but I would I would lie to avoid a conflict. And, sure, and that's
0: uh, like, it's like human nature, you know. And I'm not right, I'm not right, sitting right. here trying to be like at 10 years old. I would never told a lie. No, 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 no. But you know what I mean. As, I, as I've like gone through life, I'm just really that is like definitely the push I've wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And so. You know, but just, I guess, to tie that back to the whole thing with the album and just why it was so important to me in that end is that, like, you know, it's funny seeing this experience where somebody always called me out as a liar and a cheat, just because I'm social. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, that's how we met. I was just like, oh, what's up, random person I've never met before? Are you from this? The, you know what I mean? And, right. it, and it, it was fine. If I mean, and, then, you,
1: and you did. You you literally just walked up to my table at the, the Sonic Temple Festival and was like is that the hard times? And I'm like, Like, yeah. And you're like, oh my God. And we basically (laughs) like hung out (laughs) all weekend because like I'm an introvert, so I don't approach people I don't know. (laughs) Sure. So, but it was just so wonderful, like kind of wonderful to have somebody just be so nice to me instantaneously.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm glad that is on record about me now. (laughs) 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 Well, so you can imagine being in a relationship with someone who is very insecure and me being incredibly extroverted. And if you can imagine this, Dan, I treat pretty much everybody, especially people in like service positions that Mm -hmm. way. I almost may be nicer because, you know, I spent most of my life being in a customer service role. So I'm like, Oh, I definitely understand this job, and like things are cool for me now. But you know, I spent the last fifteen years working the worst jobs ever. You know, right? Yeah. Again, like you know, how many times have you taken crap out of an airplane bathroom? Literally, I, I can tell you how many times. I've done. So, <laughs> so it's one of the things where I just try to be really cognizant of that. So, being in this relationship where someone was kind of like always saying that you were doing awful things, it's like hurtful, right? So when that split up and and fizzled out, it was great. And I met Lindsay, and I, you know, you know, to say a little bit about her, she kind of grew up. She's like the art student that came out of country people. So it's like an interesting vibe for her. And I find it interesting because like I got to, you know, I was, I got to travel a lot in my youth and through work, I've gotten to travel a lot. So I feel like I've had a lot of experiences. A lot of it was just, that was what was important to me. Right. And so I wanted her to experience that because that's what you do when you love somebody. You're like, oh, here's something cool. Have you ever seen an actual mountain (laughs) and silly things like that? And we did that. So Gambino was an artist that I got really into when we first met. Now, Lindsay and I musically originally just bonded over like coheating Cambria. That was like our that was like our first stop. And then but I really impressed Gambino on her. And so at the time, (laughs) this is going to sound so silly, but I so the album that 3005 is from is called Because the Internet and Because the Internet is a concept record. I think about Donald Glover, whether he'll say this or not. But I have a few theories. I also think it's a cover of the wall, and there's a lot of clues. There's a bunch of shit I could I could go like full Alex Jones on this. But, like, the album does a couple of interesting things where it does the closed loop where the album opens with the same sound it closes with, just like The Wall. They both are about the story of a rock star who has kind of, like, gotten over his fame and kind of becoming reclusive and weird. And you follow this journey throughout the story. When he gets to the end, the cycle starts anew. And I, I, when I listen to this record, I was like, it's wild. I, dude, I started, like, I was taking notes all the time every time I'd listen to it. I'm like, yay, yeah, he's doing all these clever things. There's a lot of, like, textural and there's, like, this emotional – Ride that reminds me, I was a big Pink Floyd fan as well in my youth. So it's like this weird thing where I'm like, I think he's doing that. And what's really funny about this is one of my last confirmed notes was on his last record, he sampled a sonar blip from Pink Floyd's Echoes. And I was like, yeah, oh. that album is a cover of the wall. And I'm like, you definitely sampled this. Ra- uh, kind of like, I, I, it's like one of those dream questions that if I ever got to meet Donald Glover, I'd be like, how crazy am I? Right.
1: All right, now? Donald Glover, next time you're in town shooting Atlanta. Come on over. We'll get Mark on the line and we'll, we'll dig into this. We'll find out if this is true.
0: I would love to pick his brain in that because I really, I, it's one of those, you know, you, you think with the amount of redditing I do that some other music obsessed nerd out there, because like I've met a lot of interesting people through that album. And I think about that all the time and how it's just like the album as a whole really meant a lot to me. And then, you know, just the bonding experience I had with my almost wife over this song and this record. And it's funny because the song is such a downer, but it's just like clever testament to his creations where it's like, you know, it's got the upbeat vibe and it's, it's, it's a beautiful. It's like a mask. It's a sonic mask, right? Where he's just like everything's terrible, and I'm lonely, and it's awful, and I'll go back to this person I don't really like. But here's the happy beats and boops, and it's got a nice <laughs> little sing song. No matter what I say, what I do, you know what I mean. You yeah. kind of, I, I don't know. There's something about it, and I think there's something magical about that record. But breaking it up, breaking it up, song by song, will mess it up. It's like again, you have to go full concept and listen straight through, and it all I'll comes. in to, so uh, weird.
1: To dig into that one, I, I don't think I've given that. Out. I don't think I've listened to that whole album actually. Probably just the singles off of it,
0: but. I it's one of those records where I just I yeah I know it sounds weird. If you like his music at all, I think it's like probably you know it's funny. I, I'll every so often get in an argument with people who are like he sold out. This is like his the beginning of a sellout career. But to me, if you like listen to the album, it's it, it's about that. It's like him being like, well, I I kind of did, but I also didn't, and I'm true to myself. But I'm also I have these expectations. I think it's a I love those kinds of stories about like people who got what they thought their dreams were, and then they're not really sure if that's what it was. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I Speaking... recommend it, Dan. If you hate it, we can just dissolve the friendship and it'll be
1: fine. <laughs> I'm going to play my recommendation. So every week, I'm going to pick a song that the guests picks inspired in me. So a song I thought of while listening to the music that they picked. And this week, I picked a song called Old 55 by Tom Waits. Speaking of I'm everything sucks and I'm all alone. Tom Waits has uh, a nice <laughs> song for when you're depressed. Um <laughs> So Old 55, so I got into Tom Waits uh, through my brother uh, who listened, who got me into Nick Cave and Tom Waits. Uh, like, like, oh, nice. Like, not because he wanted me to listen to them, but because, again, I snuck into his room and listened to it. And so I, I can't remember what my, the first Tom Waits I heard, but the first album I bought was actually his greatest hits. It was called, like, You's Song, so it was, like, his early greatest hits. And, okay. And... Uh, on it was this song called Old 55 at this time i worked at a gas station and uh, i work. and for part of the time i actually worked the overnight shift and so i would spend all night watching i would bring in a tv vcr combo that i had and i would i would go to blockbuster before my shift buy art, or rent art house movies bring them awesome. and watch them on my shift and then i would listen to music as well i would bring in my cd player and this song reminds me so much of that brief period at like 4 30 in the morning when everything's kind of gray there's nobody on the streets but for some reason there's kind of like a white noise of the suburbs going on and it's just, yep. just beautiful and the song is is about a uh a couple the, the guy has just dropped his girlfriend off way too late past his curfew and uh he's racing home to because he's so late but he's talking like he's singing about the experience that he just had
0: Allison.
1: So yeah, I I don't know. A lot of this podcast is going to be times like talking about when you're a teenager and that just late night, early morning belongs to teenagers in the suburbs and that song. And I listened, like it's about going home after curfew when it's too late. And I listen to it at that time. And it just I when I hear that song, I absolutely am just reminded of of like, where I grew up. And I, I, I don't look fine. Fo- like, yeah, I do I look finally. I'm growing up. I shouldn't say I don't I do. And uh, it was but yeah, I, I mean, that song absolutely reminds me of, of being a teenager and, and just driving around late at night, just like your song 1979
0: did. I totally understand. I can totally feel that too. I love your description of the suburbs at that time of night. I know that I know that sound and visual all too well. All too well, Dan. Absolutely. And I just think, well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned that like, this the show will be so much about people in that time frame of their life. But when you really think about it, I mean, that is really kind of the first step to becoming who you end up being in life in a weird way, you know? Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, and it's also when you start realizing that you don't belong like like I knew I was gonna leave I wanted to move to the city like before I knew what the city was and how dangerous it was at that time like I it just drew me there like I knew that that's where I wanted to be because that's where the artists were and
0: I mean but I had a couple wild lucky experiences early on with like rock stars and getting to meet a lot of crazy famous people that I like had no right meeting at 13. Oh really? <laughs> and I uh, oh man, uh, dude, we could do a whole hour on. Like, I went to two rock and roll Hall of Fame induction ceremonies in my teens. So, like, dude, like, you don't, you only get offered a drink by Jimmy Page at fifteen Damn. one time in your life. Wow, it was, dude, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll send you some pictures. I, uh, <laughs> dude, it's, it's crazy, but like, so one of the. Things that I think about, though, where you'd have these moments of being like, you know, because I kind of was like a little sheltered and a little soft and probably still a little soft at times. Mm-hmm. But I remember uh, two experiences, one being way more in person. I got to meet Motley Crew, and I remember the visual aesthetic of Mick Mars really kind of freaked me out. And I was young, but I was like, oh, you kind of look – scary and then yeah. in the same way seeing Rob Zombie back in the 90s was like the same thing though where I was like oh, oh I didn't think I was prepared for what is like almost like a weird 1950s horror Show. I was gonna say meeting Rob Zombie is probably
1: tantamount to seeing Rocky Horror Picture Show for the first time. Like it's that's oddly good. sexual. You're you're unsure of what you're feeling at that moment. And
0: yeah, absolutely. I, I should be clear on that one. I didn't meet him. I just was. I just got to see. No, that's that right. Yeah, seeing him. That, yeah, still, yeah, it was like insane. Though. You know what I mean? You're like, oh my god, I, this is overwhelming, and I was not prepared. It, I, I think in a silly way, I kind of had a similar emotional reaction to seeing like Marilyn Manson music videos, where I was like, oh, I don't know why I'm terrified of what is clearly just a guy in makeup. <laughs> But something about that, like you said, when you mentioned the creatures coming out, I was like, yeah, that's like totally what it felt like. I'm like, oh, this is so foreign to my experience thus
1: far. Right. Right. But it's calling to me like this makes yeah. sense. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're just about on time.
0: We're over time. So that's great. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Well, thanks no, for having me. All. I really do appreciate it. I, I, I Honestly, honored to be a part of this. So yeah, thank sure. you. Plug
1: away, plug away. Where, where can people find you? Where can people hear
0: you? Okay, if you, uh, week, so our show airs Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, you can, if you want to stream it live with us, we're live on radioartifact.com or wvxu.org. Um, it, however, you can download the weekly hookup as a podcast. So wherever you get podcasts from, the station usually is like they're pretty up to date for the most part. I would say at most maybe a week behind. Okay. Uh you can also find us at the Weekly Hookup on YouTube if you want to watch it there. And last but not least, you can follow my film career at Local Favorite Productions. So you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, etc. So
1: Fantastic. And uh I just want to tell everybody we want to hear from you. Uh we're starting something new. Uh I unless this doesn't come out until after other episodes do. But uh, I've set up a voicemail account. I want people who have heard the podcast to call and leave a voicemail with a story about a song that means something to you. Uh, The phone number is 404-692-1518. That's 404-692-1518. Anything that, that, just a memory from your life that connects with a song that means something to you. I I would love to hear that. I would love to play clips of it on the show. Uh, You could also email us at autobiographicalpodcast at gmail.com. It's a long one. Audio, audio biographical podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to hear all of the songs that we played tonight, there is a full playlist on Spotify search for autobiography soundtrack. That's I'm sorry. I keep saying auto because obviously that's the word Audiobiography soundtrack on Spotify. And you can find all of the songs that were played tonight.
0: I got to tell you, I love the name. I was going to tell you the beginning of the show when you announced it, but I forgot to until now, but I seriously love the name. Well,
1: thanks. And actually, I, of course, the diligent researcher I am, I picked the name before I looked to see if there was another audio biography podcast, and there is. They beat me by like three months. Uh, so uh, it's a different topic, though. They, they just they're just talkers. They're just uh, so I changed it to <laughs> audio bi- biographical. Audio biographical is the name now. So Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on.
0: Dude, Thank thanks for having me again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Just as much as you please, but
1: stay-